we're in the book of Ephesians, and we're going verse by verse. And so I would hope by now you've been reading some of it, so you've got an understanding of what we're saying and where we're going with this. Because if you think about it, and that's why we chose, that's why this book was chosen, we just finished the seven churches, and 10 years, actually less than 10 years after Paul wrote the book, of Ephesus, or I keep saying Ephesus, Ephesians to the folks at Ephesus. Less than 10 years later, Jesus said to them, you're great, you're wonderful, you're amazing, except I have this one thing against you. You have left your first love. That happened in a less than 10 year period. So for me as a pastor, man, that's a warning. This can happen so quickly Particularly when you think about the time and season of our world, we are in the end of days. Now, again, I'm not eschatology. I'm not that guy that says it's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next year. I don't know. We obviously know it's closer than it was. But the things that are happening are so real as we see it unfolding before our eyes. And you don't have to be the brightest guy in the room to figure out the world's a mess. Okay? But the only answer for the world not being a mess is what? Christ. Where does he live? In us. Not just on Sunday. Not just at 729 Village Drive. He lives in us, in our homes, where we work, and where we do commerce. We're the light, we're the salt, we're the solution. So, last week, Bill did a good job of unpacking those first verses and introduction, and really talking about All that we have in Christ. Now, he gets into more as the book goes on. But think about this. Paul goes immediately from that to what I'm going to share today, his first prayer in the book of Ephesians. You know why he did that? After he dumped all that on, he said, you guys are going to need a whole lot of prayer. (laughs) Because this is not something that everybody gets. And sadly, it's not happening in our world because the Word of God is not being taught, I believe, personally, and that's a personal application or personal, not application, but observation, that the Word of God is not being taught and it's not being lived. We have to live this, folks. This is not just for us to see and, and, oh, that's wonderful, that's nice. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, all those guys who wrote it. No, this is the Word of God of the Holy Spirit inspired this. And I believe it's more critical, more crucial for us today than ever before. So, Paul says, I'm praying for you. But look at how he says it. It's so cool. After explaining to them, this is who you are in Christ. This is what has been given to you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your loved ones for all the saints... Just let it resonate. So, if Paul were writing to CFM, would he say, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that exists among you and your love for all the saints. Pause for a second. Jesus said, this world will know that you are my disciples. How? By your love for one another. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, let me just give you a couple suggestions. It doesn't mean being critical and condemning our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's do a survey real quick. This will help us out, I think. Every person who's in the room, every person, I listen now, every person who's in the room who is perfect, I mean absolutely perfect, please raise your hand. Okay, so we're on the same level field, right? None of us are perfect. That means that there's stuff in our lives that God is working on. And he's moving us toward that day when we will be like Christ. But in the meantime, we're in the process of that taking place in our daily lives where we work, where we live, and where we have our being. He says, because of this, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Okay, I'm going to do this. Everybody stand up again. And you have my permission to look around at anybody and everybody you want to look at. Okay, let me give it to you in another term. Put your head on a swivel and look around. Please. So here's the question. As you're looking around, is there anybody you see that you're not really giving thanks for? You may be seated. Well, did you? Well, is there somebody you go, oh, I ain't looking that way. Oh, no, I ain't looking that way. Oh, no. I know what they said. I know what they did. I know who they are. I know their history. Really? Now, it doesn't mean that sin is to be let go and, let, and be rampant. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that he says, because of your faith, your faith and your relationship, your intimacy with Jesus Christ, and because you love each other as you do, I am never ceasing to give thanks for you. That's, that's how, when you pray for me, That's how I want you to start out, okay? Just in case you didn't know. It goes on. While making mention of you in my prayers, see, now he's getting into it. Now, this is how I'm going to pray for you. This is how I'm doing this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Wow. So, as you were looking around at your brothers and sisters in Christ, the other saints who are gathered here today, you're praying for them in the name of Jesus, for Father's glory, that our, our spirit, that's our inner man, our spirit will be filled with his wisdom of revelation and knowledge for him. Now, let me explain something to you about the language here. What that's saying is this. All this truth that he's talking about in his prayer has been there all the time. But the word revelation here is, is as if you've been there and you couldn't see what God wanted you to see. And so God in his incredible grace and mercy pulled the curtain back and you go, wow. Wow. See, think about the time we're in now. How desperate are we today to have the wisdom and the revelation knowledge of God in our current daily existence. Example. Old Testament example. The king, Jehoshaphat. The nation is surrounded. They're going down. And they know they're going down. Excuse me. <coughs> and what do they do? They call for prayer and fasting. 
And here's what the verse says. The king is speaking for the people. He says, Father, God, we don't know what to do except to turn to you. That's a pretty sweet prayer. And the cool thing is this. Somebody in the population, not the king, but somebody in the population said, I, I heard from God, I know the answer. Now, they're, they're being attacked by these multiple nations. They're going to be annihilated. And here's the answer, just to kind of give you a, a little taste of God and how he does stuff. The answer is, you just need to start worshiping me. Uh, don't sharpen the sword, swords, you know. Sure, God, I mean, you know, we've done a few battles before. No, just start worshiping me. So, so Jehoshaphat, the leader of the nation, says, here's how we're going to do battle. And I love this, and I like to pick on the musicians when I do it. Because you've heard this story before. It's not the first time I mention it. And what Jehoshaphat did was he got all the worshipers, all the choir, all the musicians. He said, you go out first. And we'll follow you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can't sing a note. <laughs> I'd be all the way to back. <laughs> and they go out and they're worshiping God. Not just the, those who are leading it, but all of them are worshiping God. And the enemy turns on themselves. And they destroy themselves. And the victory is God. So when we're in need of wisdom, we need to be sure that we're seeking his wisdom. Because you, you've heard from this platform, not just from me, but others as well. This is not the day in history where it's easy to find really good, solid, truthful information. I'm sorry. I, I grew up with journalism reporting the who, what, where, when, how. And now it's presenting a narrative that is somebody's political agenda. I'm not going to get up on a political bandwagon. That's not my point. My point is, if we are going to walk with him, we better know what this has to say because this is applicable, applicable to today, this time, who we are, where we are. It's now. It's real. So, he's praying for the saints there in Ephesus. And he says, Father, Father of glory in the name of your Son, Give them wisdom and revelation of your knowledge of who you really are. Man, that's... hmm. I also pray, listen to this now, I also pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. This is again pulling back the veil. The eyes of your heart. Wait a minute. Did you know your heart had eyes? Yeah, that inner man, that heart of hearts, who we really are in here, has eyes. And so often, sadly, they've been shut to the truth so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance for all the saints. And I won't come back, but I'm going to go ahead. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, that's a prayer. That is a prayer that 
We as believers should be praying for one another. In fact, before we leave her today, I promise you, I will pray this prayer over us as a body of believers gather in the name of Christ. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know the hope of his calling. Last night, I'm trying to watch some news. And it's all bad news. Right? I mean, maybe you got a better channel than I do. I don't know. It's bad news. But because of who we are in Christ, we have hope. Because we know that whatever happens in this world is only temporary. It's going to be over soon. And for eternity, we will be with Christ in the presence of the Father. We have hope. The hope of his calling. What is this calling upon your life? Are we doing what he has given us to do in the days that we have to do so? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? Now, here's where we, I'm going to talk about Western world. We have a little problem with this, because the truth of the matter is most of us chase the dollar. Just be honest. Let me illustrate. Let's suppose that my friend, Elon, decided to give me a billion dollars. Now, we'd all have to confess that would kind of affect your emotions a little bit, right? And what if I decided to be a little generous with what Elon has given me? You know, he's been on Twitter lately and all that stuff. But anyway, and I said, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Would that not affect our emotions? Of course it would. Let's be honest. Let's just be honest. But now, I want you to look at what the scripture says. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What we have in Christ, what we have in Christ is of greater value than what Elon Musk has. And we, it's true. And, and just, I'm not going to, let me just bust your bubble. You know, if God could trust any of us to be the richest person in the world, he probably would have let us. But, you know, he, just, he knows us. But the riches, I mean, think about what he's, tr- he's entrusting in our lives. As Paul is praying for the folks at Ephesus, what he's entrusting in our lives is all the riches of the glory of the inheritance that is in Christ. There's not a pauper in the room. There's not. Because we have his hope for what's in eternity. And we have his riches for what we're walking out, living out every day. Years ago, back in the 70s, for those who lived back in those days, gas prices were up then. And they were, and gas was scarce. I was in college at the time, pastoring, not pastoring, but associate pastor of a little church down in Bono, South Carolina. <clears throat> gas was high and gas was scarce. And so I would, I had a local merchant who had a store and gas station. And I would have to meet him at midnight to get gas. So I'd have gas to drive to school. Now I paid for it. It wasn't free. But he couldn't even turn the lights on on his gas station. It'd just be the light on the pump as he pumped my gas. Because I was his children's 
youth pastor, and he liked me, and so he did that favor for me. That's how scarce it was. And right about that time, a fellow by the name of Jack Taylor, some of you may have read some of his books. He's been one of my favorite authors and speakers for a long time. And he's still alive, believe it or not. He's not. Oh, yes, right. He passed away last year. Okay, thank you. My guys just die. You know, I love them, but man, they just keep going, going to heaven, you know. Don't be fun when we get there. And so he made this, this statement. He said, I don't care if gas gets to a dollar a teaspoon. My God is still God, and he still owns the cattle in a thousand hills. You see, how we look at this and how we view it, because we too complain. In fact, Sheila and I were at a conference last week in, in Asheville, and I had to stop something. I told her, I said, listen to how ridiculous I sound. I gave the price of gas every gas station we went by. I said, I cannot believe how I got consumed by how much gas cost. The inheritance of the riches that is ours because we are his saints. That's what he gives to us and how amazing it is. And what is the surpassing greatness of the power toward us, which of those of us who believe, uh, the word power there, by the way, is the same power, if you read this, according to the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Boom, think about that. The power that he says is ours is the same power that was there at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know how that power gets measured. But it's immeasurable in my terms of what power really is. And he says, guess what? That's what I'm praying for God to manifest in your life is the power, the same power, the same power that was manifested and revealed at the resurrection of Jesus Christ where he overcame death, sin, and hell is now the same power that I'm praying for you to have in your lives. Far above all the rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He says, it's not just now. See, the, we have... We have so missed out, I think, on so much of what God has given to us in the giving of his son. He goes on. And he says of Jesus, he's put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fulfillment of him who, it, who fills all in all. So, every once in a while I'm out and people that will walk up to me and say, how's your church? I don't know, don't have one. I know that's a smiley answer. I'm, I'm trying to work on that. I don't have a church. 
But I have a Lord of Lords and King of Kings who has a church. It's his church. And a friend of mine, many of you have met, Flint McLaughlin from Florida, made a statement one time I thought was so really, really accurate. He says, I never want God to have to come to me and pry my fingers off his church. See, that's why when we read Scripture like this, and if we work it through the process, we realize it's his church. We're here to serve him. We're here to honor him. We're here to bring glory and praise to him. And that's why so many people, and, and I've watched this for almost 50 years now. Well, actually, I have watched for 50 years. I've watched this now for 50 years of how people in the church think that they get authority by having a title or a position. You don't. Now, is there some positional authority? Of course there is. But the one that makes the difference in the church is earned authority. Well, how do you get that? Oh, you just press into Jesus. You walk with him. You surrender to him. You honor him. You obey him. And you have authority in ways you can't imagine. And people are responding because the scripture says that those of us who lead, who have been called and placed in leadership, are to lead in such a way as we follow Christ. And we can say to those who are following us, you follow me as long as I'm following Jesus. When I stop, you stop. We've got this thing so messed up. In fact, I'm going to give you a scripture. I haven't used this in a long time. So I want to use it today. In First uh, Peter chapter 5. Therefore, he says in verse 1, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elders and witnesses of the suffering of Christ and as partakers also the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording, lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. You get that? That's why there is a higher standard for those who lead. If you don't like it, don't do it. Because there's a price. You will pay the price. I can promise you. But there's something about that verse that you may or may not have understood if you haven't been around here for a long time. In verse 3 where it says, Nor yet as lording it over those allotted. That is the only place in the Bible that the word clergy is referenced. And it's talking about the whole church. Not just a few of us who maybe have gone through a ceremony. It's the whole church. What does that mean? That means we're all under the headship of Christ. Yes, God raises up leaders. Yes, he has those to lead by example. But we're all to do the work. That's why when you come here, you serve. Sorry, if you're not willing to do that, there are places you can go and hang out and hide out. But here, come here, come to serve. I'm not being, I'm not lording it over you. I'm telling you, this is how the book says it's supposed to be done. Let's do it according to the book. Does that work for everybody? Can I get an amen? That was kind of low. Oh, thank you. Okay, all right. It is so amazing. It is so amazing to me how we can be the church 
But we don't take the time to know what the Word says about His church. We tend to operate church oftentimes off traditions that we were raised in, much like we operate our Christian life off the traditions that we were raised in. And I got to tell you, if I were still operating in the traditions I was raised in, it would be so narrow. (laughs) You can't even begin to imagine. And so lifeless. That's why Paul says, as he prays for these folks, he says, don't give in to the world. Don't give in to the religious leanings of your day. Don't give in to the traditions, but instead be the church that fulfills the will and the way of God every day. Is that not crazy good? Okay, so wisdom. Anybody up for that? Okay, maybe I need to explain. Wisdom is the application of truth. Okay? See, it's not just that I read it, I studied it, I heard it, or even memorized it, but am I applying it? Because James says, do not be hearers of the word only, but what? Be doers of the word. Just do it. You say, but I don't know it all. Well, neither do I. But I have to do what I do know. And do I mess up? All right, let's just, okay, this survey I think will work. How many of you, since none of you were perfect a while ago, right? We got that settled. How many of you messed up this week? How many tend to lie when they're asked a question? No discussion. <laughs> this, is, this is our God. He's so amazing. Look what he's done. And that's why we wanted to take this book of Ephesians and just unpack it and say, this is the glorious church. Paul's writing to the glorious church. He's not writing to perfect people, but he is writing to people who are saints of God. Did you hear that? He's writing to the saints of God. Well, guess what? That's who we are. We're the saints of God. How are we doing this in everyday life? So, if you will, stand up, please. I'm going to pray this prayer over us. I'll tell you what, just just go to receiver mode. Don't smack your neighbor, but put your hands out and just be ready to receive what God wants to give through the Holy Spirit in this particular time. Lord, I thank you that in this body of believers, we are those who have faith in you, Lord Christ. And those who love each other and all the saints, I thank you that we give thanks all the time in our prayers as we make mention of each other. And I thank you, God, in our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, that you're giving to each of us the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, and knowledge in all the fullness of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that the eyes of our hearts are opened and enlightened so that we may know your hope, your calling, your riches, your glory, and your surpassing power every day. I thank you, Father. 
I thank you, Father, that we can come today as believers in Christ who are part of this local fellowship, and we can know, Lord Jesus, that you are our head. And you rule over every other authority, every other power, every other dominion. We pray this, Jesus, in your amazing, wonderful, precious name. We praise you for who you have made us through the work of the Holy Spirit. We claim this now in Jesus' name as we go to our homes, as we go to work, as we go to commerce. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen and amen.